This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Shalom and welcome to Practical Spirituality here in Asia Torah, the old city of Jerusalem, overlooking the Western Wall. Why do we call God He? Why is God called He all the time? And that's not like we can't pull it off and say, well, that's just how it sounds in English. No, in Hebrew, it's like, Hu notain lechem lechobasar. He gives sustenance to all flesh. It's he, 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 he. And we always have this, this masculine God referred in, uh, in Hebrew and obviously in any translation. It will always come out as he. So why is that? Now, before we answer that, there's something that's really important to dispel. And you know, there, there's a lot of things that need to be dispelled. A lot of misconceptions, a lot of bad mistakes that have led to, you know, to some of the worst of identity politics. And one of those is masculine and feminine is not male and female. Masculine and feminine is not male and female. And, I, I, and I, even though I've been teaching this for years, I finally heard Jordan Peterson say that on one of his podcasts. And then realized, oh my gosh, that just really cuts to the chase. Masculine and feminine is not male and female. So like, there are men in here who are probably more feminine than some of the women in here. But your gender is female and his gender is male. But he's got more female than you got going, lady. Yeah? And there's probably some women in here who are more masculine than feminine. But she's a female with a lot of masculine. Masculine is something that, forgive the pun, engenders certain things. And feminine engenders other things. What do they engender? Well, one of the things that masculine engenders is the causative. So anytime you're doing something causative, you're involved in the masculine, which is really funny because like one of the most maternal things you can do is feed. Whether it be a husband, a child, or, or nursing a child, like what could be more feminine than feeding? I mean, that is something that males just cannot do for an infant, is feed. But are you causing or are you receiving? Causing, is that masculine or feminine? Yes. It's masculine. And this goes, by the way, don't think it's like some rabbi up here telling you this. This is every single mystical tradition for all of history. Every single mystical tradition for all of history talks all the time about the expanding causal and the, re- the contracting receiver. Okay? It's the, ex- the causal and the expander and the receiver. And not only that, it's everywhere you look. Everything you, every single thing you can point at. <laughs> Please don't start pointing is either male or female. Okay? Everything is male or female. I can point at a few things. Um, the water in the cup is masculine, the cup is feminine. Okay? The, um, I mean, the bottle is just the same example as you got the female contractive structure around the water here, which will just flow. Yeah? It's the masculine. It just, it's, a, it's causal. It's just a flow that's happening. The, um, the window in this room is including this board, but the window in this room is the masculine, and the frame holding it is the feminine that's holding it. Now, by the way, it's really interesting. Um, Our windows are transgender, by the way. (laughs) They're transgender. Why? Because it was once molten glass. It was liquid. And it went into, which flowed its way into a mold that created this window. So it's transgender. And And then it got like, masculinized, it got masculine as the frame was the feminine. And by the way, the frame's been transgendered too, because it's, 
it was molten metal flowing into the mold of the frame. But it's literally everywhere. I mean, look at these shelves over here. I mean, what put those things together? That's all just, you know, it was all masculine and feminine. It was just nails into holes, the whole, the whole entire thing. My vest, just masculine and feminine holding this thing together. The weave's probably doing the same thing, you know, that if you've seen weave, you know, if you've ever seen a, a uh, weaving, I mean, there's a, if you've seen a weaver, you know, it's got all these lines of thread and then it makes a space of the thread and then he throws the masculine through it, you know, which is carrying thread through. You know, he throws it, I forget what you call that little thing, but he throws it through and then he presses the pedals and it goes like that and then he throws it through again. He throws it through again and then keeps tightening it to the end and that's, your fabric's masculine and feminine. Everything's masculine and feminine. Everything's either causal or receiving, and that's it. This is not a gender war. <laughs> it has nothing to do with males and females, the masculine and feminine. And it's really important to get that. And once you get that, then we get to the question, why is God always referred to in the masculine? And the answer is very, very simple. I'll pause for questions in a minute. It's very, very simple. Who's causing this place? God or us? God's the causer. God being the causer automatically puts God in the masculine, mystically. Again, we're discussing not males and females, we're discussing the mystical masculine. And the mystical masculine is the causer of creation. We're not causing, we're receiving. And now, what does that put all of us as being in God's creation? What is that, and including the creation, what is that, are we the causer or the, or the receiver? Which one? We're in the receiver. And in fact, Hebrew always nails it. You know, if you've been in other classes that I've talked about, like what the, how the Hebrew handles it. Hebrew always handles it because the word for he- masculine in Hebrew is zahar, which literally means causal. And that's why whenever we have a holiday, we always say it's zecher le, zecher for something. It's a zecher, meaning, what does that mean? It's a zecher for something. It means that we've now hit this holiday, so like things suddenly align in a certain way, with the moon and the zodiac and everything, line aligns, and now there's a flow of something. Something's flowing. Oh, we're back to the masculine, right? Things, things are flowing, yeah? And what's flowing? The zodiac's flowing. How's the zodiac flowing? Well, if it's Passover, it's flowing with freedom. And if it's Shavuos, it's flowing with terror. And if it's Tisha B'Av, it's flowing with, with mourning the temple. And if it's, if it's Rosh Hashanah, it's flowing with, with novelty, with, re, with uh, how do you say a fancy word for newness, for renewal, renewal. It's flowing with renewal. And if it's Yom Kippur, it's flowing with forgiveness. And if it's Sukkot, it's flowing with joy. And we just finished the flow of Hanukkah, which uh, I'm not going to go into right now. But all of those are called a Zecher, because it's, there's a certain flow to those days. And that's the Zodiac, which is called Mazal, which is, means to flow, liquid soap in Hebrew. How do you say soap in Hebrew? Sabon. How do you say liquid soap? Sabon nozli, nozli, mazal. The flowing of the zodiac is the mazal. Mazalot are the constellations that flow based on the time. So masculine and feminine are happening all the time, and God is in the masculine, and we are all in the feminine. And the word for feminine is literally... The word is in Hebrew is nekeva, which the root is nekev. And the word nekev means receptacle, that the feminine receives. It's something you put something in. 
Okay, it's something that is the the contractive receiver of something that flows. Okay, that is the feminine. Now that happens to match up pretty well to the physical male and female, obviously. You know, I don't think any of you need to use your imaginations much to see that connection. But that is a connection, and it's an important connection. Now, I'd like to, before I open for questions, I just want to go on to, uh, you know, I, I, this is a good time to pause, but I'm going to ask you to remind me that we're going to talk about, um, we're going to talk about males and males in the feminine. Because what I've ultimately said is that the males are in a feminine position. Automatically, we're the receivers of, we're not the male when it comes to God. So we're going to talk about males in the feminine in a minute. Question. Okay, so we're talking about males in the feminine. Let me just go. Okay, so males and the female. So that puts all of us men automatically in feminine mode. It puts us all in feminine mode vis-a-vis God. Well, that ain't cool. Ain't nobody got time for that. Yeah? What man wants to be in the feminine mode? Because the feminine mode means you're just receiver. You're surrendered. You're You're a receptacle for something to happen here. That's the receiver mode. And, um, of course, our generation, of course, every man thinks that's wonderful because you're all a bunch of women, no offense, guys, but let's be real. You know, 70 years of feminism, there's not much left of you. That's for sure. And you've been dipped in it. You know, take anyone here, anyone here raised secular? Anyone here raised secular? Oh, hey, what do you know? People raised secular. That's the first. You were raised secular, too? Yeah, what's your name? Those are my kids. Really? I met you before. Yeah, Yona oh my God, Yona Kiba's mother's here. Stepmother, Stepmother? freak out. <laughs> I have a very dear student from how long ago? When he moved here? I think it was twenty-seven years. He's a dear student of mine, twenty-seven years ago. Like really dear student, and and now I'm meeting you twenty-two years ago. Hi, that's why I know you. You ready for the question? I forget your first name. Isaac, Isaac right? Isaac. Between grades, kindergarten through uh, whatever, till middle school. How many male teachers did you have? Count them, not maybe. Mm. You'd be the first person I ever met with two or three. Yeah, maybe one. <laughs> it went down from two, uh, maybe two or three to maybe one. Anyone else want to share a number? None. None? Gym teacher. Yeah, the gym teacher, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Now, listen up. Who were were you, and, and, oh, and just one more question, and this may be a little too private, but Isaac, where was your father all the time throughout the day? Just nine to five, we're with it. Is he in the fields with you, teaching you how to grow things, or, or teaching you how to weep and warp? And oh, your father's an artist. Oh, okay. And the guy who had none, where was your father all day? I have no idea. <laughs> Boy, I'm not. I, I I didn't get very good with the statistics here, but. Uh, what, what I was looking, what was the word I was looking for? It begins with an O, F, F, I, C, yeah, an office. Meaning, not in your life, that's for sure. 
because since the in, the industrial movement to cities and you know, moving into cities, he was in the office, and you're busy ple- learning how to please females since you're a little boy. Who are, who are all running? Still not good at it. <laughs> yeah, oh no no because they in the end and we're not going to discuss this today and do not let me go on but they don't want that that's why you'll notice the way Rabbi Neckemeyer is so tough on the girls and they just he just gets more every day to his class <laughs> have you watched the way he treats the girls so anyway the um, by the way I don't condone that I'm just saying that's the dynamic so, anyway, the, um, but let's go back. So, us men, and I'm going back 70 years by saying us men, not you, but men have an issue with God. And uh, today we could call it like that macho male guy, you know, like the Mr. Man guy. He's going to have issues with God. Because Judaism is emasculating. Judaism is, is a castration of one's manhood. Because you're not the causer of reality, man. You're not. And something bigger than you is, and if you're Jewish, you're expected to, you know, three times a day go declare his praise and ask him for everything that you want. You've got a CEO ever you, even if you're a CEO. And, you know, all those office buildings in Manhattan that are, you know, filled with Jews, so there's, a, you know, there's minions in the stairwells of these buildings. Like, you literally walk into the stairwell, you hit the first step, two steps later, another guy hits it, another guy, another guy, another guy. Once it's ten, then they start ashray, and you start the mincha service. I'm not kidding. And the funny thing is, when you go into the silent prayer, you hear ten floors over you, you hear them already doing a repetition, ten floors below, you hear Elena Lishabeah. Okay, the, the guts of, the, the, of uh, midtown Manhattan is, is Judaism. Inside the actual building stairwells is all minions going on the whole time. And the, and the offices that are Jewish friendly, they have them in the offices. And they're, you know, the boardroom is, is where Mincha is. Anyway, but if you're a CEO of a Fortune 500 company and you walk into that stairwell like Macho Man, you know, you know what they say to you? Seven. Mm-hmm. Like, who are you calling seven? I'm calling you seven. Shut up and go step on the stairwell. <laughs> So we get to 10, you know, macho men. And so we can start praying. It's emasculating. You're not even, you're not, you're not even you. You're, you're a number in a minion so that the minion can begin. And that's why our, our taluses, our prayer shawls have black lines on them because they're barcode. So God knows, <laughs> God knows who in the world it is over there praying. You're not in there, man. You're not even in the, you're not in anything. Like you're not in the Rosh Hashanah prayers. The entire Rosh Hashanah prayers is in the plural. You're not part of that. You're not in there. You're not in Yom Kippur. You're not in Rosh Hashanah. You're not in nothing. You want a relationship with God? That's up to you. But when we do the generic moves of, as Jewish men, we are castrated. We're emasculated by it. Shabbat. Shabbat is the worst day for manhood. It's the worst day for manhood. Because what is the masculine? I said it's the causer. Well, what does it mean to cause? What it means to cause is to manipulate things with your will is the causer. Think about it. What's a causer? What's the masculine? And all of and again, some of you might have slipped up and started thinking I was talking about men again. Remember, masculine has nothing to do with male. 
So the masculine is you using your will to manipulate something. Well, what do we do on Shabbat, or what do we not do on Shabbat? We don't manipulate the world in 39 ways. In a bunch of tributary ways, like a bunch of detailed ways as well. We don't manipulate matter in 39 ways. Meaning, take your, take your fingers off your, your uh, crackberry. Remember blackberries? <laughs> take your fingers off your crackberry. The iPhone. The man phone. The, the, you know. And you male posters know what I'm talking about. Okay? Because some people are, use social media as females, which means looking at news feeds and like, ah. And, and, then there's, and then there's real alpha males who never look at news feeds. Like, I don't look at news feeds. Like, if I'm looking at a news feed, just that means I've hit the ultimate level of boredom. And there is literally nothing less, left to do on earth, on earth, than look at this news feed. Because I'll never look at a news feed. But I'll post. I'm posting right now. I'm an alpha poster. And, and I suggest for those men who are in rehabilitation for the last 70 years of feminism, if you're in rehab, stop looking at news feeds, period. Just stop looking at them and, and, and start posting. <laughs> well, I don't know what to post exactly, but Rabbi Glazer said to post, so uh, post. No, post. So, yeah, start posting and stop living your life in that way. And by the way, again, this doesn't have to do with male or female. I'm, ladies should be posting too. Posting and stop watching other people's lives. Stop, stop being a voyeur. You know, staring into other people's lives who can't see you. Yeah. Anyway, back, back to us is us men have to do the feminine. Women love Judaism. They love it. Because you got a masculine, you got a masculine causal God and we're all the receivers, so we all have to wear a feminine hat in our relationship with God. And if you're already female to begin with, you've got a major head start over the men. So you'll notice, like, like the, in the misconception, meaning in the mistaken feminist Judaism, where they want to call God she, they rewrite the Torah and, you know, make it all, you know, the God of Sarah, the God of Rebecca, the God of, you know, like, they, like, rewrite the prayer book and... You know, they're, they're doing this whole feminist reading on Judaism. It's like, come on, man. Like, like, learn the ABC of Judaism. Sorry, of mysticism. It's not even Jewish. Like, every mysticism in the world knows that masculinity has nothing to do with male when you're talking about spirituality, for sure. It has nothing to do with males, and, it has, and, and femininity has nothing to do with females. But it relates. And that's why... Jewish men have handicap commandments. Everyone try that term? Handicap commandments. Try that. Yeah, I'm only trying to keep you guys awake. <laughs> it's not that important a word. But males have handicap commandments. What are the handicap commandments? All the commandments that men do that women don't do. What do those commandments do for the males? They basically, as I said before, emasculate us or get rid of the masculinity of us so that we can have a relationship with God. That's it. That's what they do. So there are certain commandments that only men do. One of those commandments is that masculine, or sorry, males, males want to inseminate the whole planet. Men want to to have 
as much of their mark on the world. Men want to, to distinguish every lamppost they walk by like a dog. Okay? It hurts. Every man in this room is hurt by the fact, at least if he's a man, every man in this room is hurt by the fact that no one will know who you are 100 years from now. That pains us. And we're going we're gonna to ignore our wives and kids to make some stupid mark as if it's going to like actually be remembered 100 years ago, which it won't. Which it won't. Like maybe I'll luck out because I'm always filming my classes. That, mm-hmm. Like people, will, they'll use it as comedy. You know, 100 years from now, they'll, they'll be like, hey, get a load of this. <laughs> I have a chance maybe because like it's enough footage, like hundreds of hours of footage, maybe. Maybe, but I doubt it. And, and it's true, too, because, like, let's hear one of you say something that your grandmother or your grandfather did 100 years ago. And you, you, you'd be lucky to know their name. You probably don't even know their name. And if you knew their name, you know anything they did? You know what they, I'll tell you, the only way you possibly know anything about them is if they contributed something big. Ate cereal for breakfast. <laughs> Ate cereal for breakfast. <laughs> so it's painful for us men. And you see that we just got to make our mark. If it weren't for queens, kings would have destroyed this place years ago. You know, it's the queen who says, you know, maybe you've conquered enough territory. <laughs> and you should just, like, maybe count, count your gold for the rest of your life. You know, like, enough. Killing everybody to take over more land that maybe someone might remember you as having been king. And of course, can anyone here list more than like 10 kings in history? You know, unless you were literally a history PhD, you probably can't. And every one of those kings caused mass destruction to hum- human life and, and just to be remembered. And, and yet here we are today not remembering who they are. I can't even name 10 presidents. And so Judaism is set up in such a way that the women, because they have a head start of being female, they have the chance to be in a relationship with God in a much more natural way than us men, who also have this deep desire to cause. And Judaism threatens us big time to take that away from us. We're threatened big time by Judaism. And the feminine is the females are, are um, by the way, all the commandments that men do that women don't do are also called time-bound positive commandments. It's a thou shalt, it's a positive commandment, and it has to be time-bound. Well, what's the relationship of time-bound? So you might say, well, women, you know, what if she's pregnant? Or what if she's giving birth that day? Or what if she's nursing the baby? Like, how can you give her a time-bound commandment like pilgrimage to Jerusalem? Because three times a year, we have a time-bound positive commandment to come to Jerusalem, but it's time-bound. It's based on the pilgrimages, which are Passover, Shavuos, and Sukkot. So those are time-bound. How can you expect a woman to do that? Tefillin is a daytime-only commandment. Now, women could put on tefillin, but it is a time-bound positive commandment, so they're exempt from tefillin. Sit-sit, time-bound commandment. So what is this all about? So the answer is, is that is that the, the feminine world, our world, the receiver world, is created in sevens. Everything has to do with sevens here. And the, so like, for example, 
the lunar cycles in sevens. And you have to divide the world, the weeks, up into sevens as well. Even if you're a solar calendar, Gregorian calendar person, you have to divide it in sevens. It won't work otherwise. It has to be in sevens. And the rainbow is in seven colors. And the octave, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one, is in sevens as well. Everything's in sevens in this world. Things just simply work in sevens. Well, interestingly, women have inside of them a clock that works in sevens, which is the reproductive cycle. It works also in sevens. They are naturally, females are naturally built in such a way that they are in consonance with creation, as opposed to the male, which is depicted as an arrow, you know, a circle with an arrow. It is a vector. It is a, it is just a, a, a line that, that is not necessarily going to come full circle with anything, really. And hence, the Torah tells us that men should not be alone. As it says in Genesis, Lotov Adam liot levado. It's not good for a man to be alone. He needs to have, a, uh, he needs to have the seven with him. And very interesting, you know, if I had a pen, I would show you something. Anyone seen the whiteboard marker? Very interesting regarding that is, um, is you'll notice that, the, that the, the, men, which is the man, which is the vector, is a vav, which is also, by no coincidence, the, the phallic symbol as well. So the man, the man is the vav, and as I spoke about, the woman is the zion, which is the seven, right? Seven is, is uh, zion is the seven. So the man is the vav, and the woman is the Zion. We're the vector, and she's the Zion. Now, it's interesting that the letter Vav is a... Is, the Vav is ultimately a um, implementer. It implements, like we're talking about, the masculine implements. It causes shifts through its will. Now, what is a Vav? A Vav is just a Yud. But it got implemented. Like, if I had an idea that I wanted to, like, start... an start Asia Torah in Brooklyn for the black hat community. Like create a new branch for Brooklyn. That's nice, Rabbi. Let's see. That's a nice yud. That's a nice thought. Let's see it hit the earth because the baseline's the earth. Let's see you implement that. Well, I'd obviously need a vub personality to help me because I'm not naturally an implementer. I've always had implementers working with me. But I'm more artistic. I'm more creative. I'm an idea person. I'm a yud personality. I'm not necessarily a Vav person. But that's what the Vav does. It's an implementer. And it's also a connector. It connects heaven and earth. Right? It connects heaven to earth. And it also, that's its definition. I mean, what is the definition of the word Vav? The word V. What's it mean? And. Well, what is the word and? It connects Z, V, Z. It connects this with that. It's a connector. And when you connect the Vav with the Zion, via another Vav, because uh, if you look in the Torah, the Vav has, it's just another Vav connected. What does it create? It creates the letter Chet. And by the way, the letter Vav is six, and the letter Zion is seven, which equals what? Right? That equals 13, which is the same word as love, which is Ahava. Ahava equals 13. Right? 1 plus 5 plus 2 plus 5 equals 13. And so, and then when they connect via the chuppah, see how it created a wedding canopy here? 
Okay? When, you should have put her on the right, but the... Um, she has no hair. She ain't got no hair. Fine. You want me to add hair? Uh, So, I gave him a strimal. So, when, when the, uh, anyway, but they cr- connect through, via the chet. Well, what's the chet? If the, the letter chet is eight, right? And if you connect it with the eight, so what's eight? We just had Hanukkah. If seven's nature, what's eight? Supernature. And then they create a child via the supernature of the connection of the vav to the Zion. Above the Zion creator. Now, interest, interestingly, when we wrap our tefillin, women don't have to strap themselves down with leather. Okay? But men in the Jewish world must strap themselves down with leather. It's a handicap. What is it? Handicap commandment. Everyone say handicap commandment. It's a handicap commandment for males that males have to get into leather every morning. And strap themselves down. Now, guess how many loops they have to make around their forearm, which represents his strength, his ego. Seven. He has to put seven loops around his forearm. His forearm, how he causes, how he manipulates, how he makes his mark. He has to put a seven there around his arm with the tefillin. Subjugating his masculine, or sorry, male will or masculine will to manipulate this world and make his mark, he has to settle down, boy, and strap himself up in that. The tzitzis that men wear, the the cosmic dental floss, is the same exact thing. It's there to, to wake us up to the fact that that we don't need to conquer the world. We don't need to inseminate the planet. We're ma- I'm, I'm a married man. The man sees the tzitzis and is reminded that he's married. Okay? Women, at least before the last 70 years, don't forget they're married. Okay? They don't forget they're married. Men forget they're married quickly, you know, depending on how many drinks they've had. Now, the tzitzis reminds them quickly that, hey, you're married. Settle down, brother. Yeah? It's a little ripcord for emergency situations, you know, and, and he should be seeing them. And maybe they'll even keep him out of the wrong establishments in Vegas over there, Michael. Got a Vegas guy here. Maybe, the, maybe there's a certain place you shouldn't be walking into with sitsis. Now, of course, some men, the obvious answer is take off the sitsis. But the, the right answer is don't yeah, tuck them in. No, the right answer is don't go in there. Uh, I just got to make a quick announcement uh, because they're, they're about to go on the tunnel tours in the... Uh, looking at the Asia Torah, Rabbi Ellis is leading a tunnel tour. Now, I'm, I'm going to come to a, a conclusion in a minute. Uh, but, uh, oh, you know what, I'll just conclude. I'll just conclude. So, everyone stick with me for a moment. So, the misunderstanding is that you will find, you will find women in sitsis which may not be such a bad idea after the last 70 years. Maybe they should be in tzitzis. But you'll find women in tzitzis. You'll find women in tefillin. You'll find women reading from the Torah. Women holding the Torah up. You know, like, 
women, female minions, f- women counted as part of the ten men that it takes to be in a minion. Now, is that, is that a support of women or based on real mysticism? Is that a support of women or is that a denigration based on what you learned the last hour? It's a support of women or a denigration? A big-time denigration, because you know what they're saying. They're basically saying, I don't understand Jewish mysticism at all. Or any mysticism at all. I don't understand any of that. All I see is men wearing tefillin, I want a pair. All I see is men in tzitzis, I want a tzitzis. All I see is men reading from the Torah, I want to read from the Torah. I see men making meaning, I want to... Meaning, they're basically saying that we need the handicap. That men have needed all these years to have a relationship with God. They're basically saying, give me the handicap too. Now, of course, they don't know it's a handicap commandment. They have no idea. All they know is men are doing it. And if men are doing it, well, you better bet I'm going to do it. But I do want to say one thing, and we're going to end with this because the tunnel tour is starting. I do want to say one thing in defense. And that is that when men want to go secular, they go all the way. They go all the way. When men, want to marry, when men are like, when they've seen enough of their thrashy Jewish mom, you know, secular thrashy Jewish mom. Because at least if she's observant, she thrashes you for the right things. You know, like, get to minion, go to shul, you know, like, go to school, you know. It's like, you get thrashed for, like, learning Torah, you know. What parsha is it? You know, you're getting thrashed for the right things. But if she's a secular Jewish woman, she just thrashes you randomly. You just get thrashed. And that's why, like, half the Jewish men I meet when I visit L.A. are either gay, because they're, like, scared to death of females altogether, or... They, or they're at least going to marry, you know, I don't know, a Filipino massage therapist or something. Where she, She's just happy you came home. You know, like, she, she doesn't ask where you were. She's just like, thank you for coming home. We haven't seen you in days. Yeah. So, you know, which is not, you know, you come in 10 minutes late to a Jewish woman, man. Whoa. Watch out. So, so the, the point is, is that, is that the, um, when the Jewish women, secular Jewish women, again, they don't know nothing about Judaism. But when they see the Jewish men reinstalling, surgically reinstalling their foreskin, and will not even marry Jewish women, they're certainly not going to be a president of no shul. They're not going to be no Torah reader. They ain't putting on no tefillin. They ain't keeping no kashrut. They're not doing nothing. So you know what happened is those secular women have in their genes that we're not going to let the Jewish people die. And the next thing you know, you got female rabbis and female Torah readers and female presidents of shuls and female minions. And now they may be doing it for all the wrong reasons, because I'm sure if you interview them, they're just doing it because they saw the men doing it. And they're like, hey, I want to do this. But what I believe is really going on deep down inside of them is that's the Jewish women who refuse to see our people disappear. And you'll see throughout history, it's always the Jewish women. At the most assimilatory, worst times, it was always the Jewish women who kept us alive. They're the ones who keep us going. And so after everything I said, I do want to add that note. And that is that it's the Jewish women who are the clergy today of America are the ones who have had that little genetic thing inside every Jewish woman for 3,331 years of we're not going to let our people die. If the men won't be the rabbis, we will. Thank you very much. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.